got a little something before I get into the message today. This is Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. It says this. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is, this is very close to the heart of God. In, in the Old Testament, Micah 6, 8, it gives what is required of human beings to do justly for themselves, to love mercy toward other people, and to walk humbly with their God. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. This is, this is the Sunday that we remember the value God puts on human life. And we also remember the, the tragedy of abortion um, that our government has allowed for many years now and millions and millions of babies. It's it, these voices that could not speak for themselves. It's, it's, it's a Sunday to speak up for, for the unborn as this is going on. And we feel strongly about that. But I feel just as strongly about the young women and young men that because our government has made this legal, feel trapped. They feel trapped. It's usually economics. It's usually they're at a stage where they get pregnant. They don't know um, what they're going to do. They don't know where they're going to turn. They, they know they can't have this baby and responsibly take care of it, and, and no one tells them the regret, the guilt, the shame that comes with abortion. No, nobody tells them that. You don't just get rid of the problem. It, 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 it turns out that it's a spiritual thing, and it, it, it messes people up, and nobody tells them about that up front. And so on Sanctity of Life Sunday, I don't like to just pray for our laws to change, and I like to pray for everybody that's had an abortion. I like to pray that God would come and heal, that God would come and give you a new beginning, that, that God would give assurance that baby is being raised in heaven. But this year we're doing something that we haven't done in the past. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is the day that we honor a, a, a civil rights leader who is also a man of God, who raised his voice about the injustice to people of color, especially African Americans. And what we've learned in this last year, or certainly I have learned, is that it's not enough to have black voices. We need to have white voices too. We, we need to have voices that rise up and say, we care, we want it to be different, and we, we want you to know we love you we, and we hear the pain that you're in and we want to join you in bringing um, justice wherever we can. And this is, this is truly God's work. And, and so we want, to, we want to speak. We don't want to be silent. We, we don't want to speak out of angry activism. We want to speak out of obedient intimacy with God and play the role God would have us play in all of these things. But God, God wants his people to not be owned by what are people going to think and are they still going to like me? No, he wants us to speak. 
He wants us to stand up for justice. And so would you mind um, standing with me as we pray together over this? Father, in Jesus' name, you are raising up a people of courage that do not live by the fear of man. They don't live in the anger of activism. They live absolutely devoted to you and, and choose to live a life where they do justly. Even if it's unpopular, even if they have to speak up and somebody's not going to like it, we want to do justice ourselves. And God, we want to love mercy toward others. And Father, when I, when I think of all of those that have, because of fear and economics and because it's legal, committed abortions and then are living with that, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every broken, wounded woman who's had an abortion, for every man that participated in it and has not been able to forgive himself, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you, inv- that you invite us to forgiveness. You invite us to a new beginning, a fresh start with no shame. God, we entrust to you all the babies that have been aborted, the millions and millions of babies, and we thank you that you bid all of the children to come to you because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you that they are safely being raised in heaven. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Help us, God. Help us as a country that is so confused, angry, and afraid right now. Come in the midst of us. Lord, your answer is your church rising up in beauty and in courage and in mercy and in humility to shine forth your answer for for all of these things. Lord, help us to be who you have called us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Um, So we are in a series on City Church's values. This week is called City Church, a School. I'm going to read from John 8, 31 and 32. Please remain seated. You You get a pass this time. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God, would you speak? Would you open the eyes of our heart, open our ears to hear? Don't let any of us leave here unchanged today because of your word spoken to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So week one was City Church, a hospital, and it was the value, come as you are. It was about God's love and compassion, embraces all of humanity, and invites people to come just as they are. The second value was uh, City Church, a family. And the second value is connect with God, that, that God, when we come to him by, purely by his grace, he adopts us and makes us his own children, not because of our performance, but because of his generosity. That's what he did through the cross, is made a way that he can come and adopt sinners and, and bring them in purely by his grace and bring them into this, this family. 
This week we talk about City Church, a school, and we're going to be highlighting the value, connect with people. Pastor Tom, if we're a school, what is our degree going to be in? Isn't that what you say when somebody says they're going to college? What are you, what are you studying? What's the, what's, the, what, what's the degree going to be? Well, the degree you get is in freedom. That's what the school is about. It is about, first, your own freedom, how to get free, how to stay free, and then how to become a freedom fighter. This is, this, the gospel is all about freedom. So here is point one. I only have two points today. One, a school that helps people get free. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. This is the messianic passage about the Christ. Anointed, Christ means anointed one. Jesus is anointed to set captives free. He is anointed to open up prison doors. The way we get free is Jesus, by the anointing, breaks the darkness that is over us and sets us free. This is why Jesus came, is to set people free. So I want to tell you the story today of J.R.R. Tolkien. He, he was a, a writer in the early 1900s. He wrote um, several books, one called Lord of the Rings, which, which became the, the book of the century, the best-selling books of the century, over 150 million of the 20th century. And of course, that became very famous movies and um, a, a trilogy well, he was, um, he was a Catholic and a burning Christian. And he wrote this essay on fairy tales. And he said, the reason why the human heart responds to fairy tales, and fairy tales can be told again and again and again and then made a movie about it, a book about it, another one. The reason why the human heart responds to fairy tales is because there's one fairy tale that's true, and that's the gospel, where there really is a prince that left heaven and rescued his bride who had been snatched away from, by darkness and kissed her awake and made her beautiful and, of course, in the end, live happily ever after, eternally ever after. This is the one true fairy tale. And so, and he had, he had a very famous disciple, C.S. Lewis. They taught together at Oxford and and they got a little small group, and, and it led to C.S. Lewis's conversion. And, but the way they wrote was very different. C.S. Lewis was very overt in his allegories. You read 
Chronicles of Narnia, and you know this is Jesus, this is, you know, represents this, this is this. That's how, just how C.S. Lewis wrote. Whereas Tolkien didn't write like that. Tolkien, um, he just wrote the story for the sake of the story, yet there are many Christian shadows in there, many images that are distinctly Christian. So one of them is in the two towers. And Gandalf the wizard comes there's a great there's a great darkness over the land that is growing and he needs king theoden to be a part of the the answer and he comes to theoden and uh great great scene in the movie um and uh and and he he comes before theoden and theoden has been paralyzed by his counselor named grima wormtongue and Theoden no longer thinks for himself. Every time Gandalf says something, Wormtongue says something to him that he says, and he's under complete control of Wormtongue. And, and, uh, and, and Wormtongue says, get, get, tells him to leave. You have nothing to do with us, Gandalf the Gray. And, and Gandalf then reveals that he's no longer Gandalf the Gray. He's Gandalf the White because he died and rose again from the dead. And he's got this shining white and clearly a Christ figure and he comes with his staff to cast the darkness out of Theoden and it's a very dramatic powerful thing but because of his resurrection he has power to cast darkness out and uh and so that's 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 how Theoden gets free and he comes back to his senses and his his color comes back to him. So what, what's that have to do with us today? Everything. Jesus is anointed to come into darkness and set captives free. I'm going to tell you what happened a week ago Friday night. We were having a healing. It was the fifth day of the fast. We were having a healing and freedom night. And I had all the teams up here, the prophetic team, the healing team, the freedom team, we're all up here, and, and what I said to the congregation, we're going to wait a little for words of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when Jesus, the anointed one, speaks a little piece of information about somebody, um, and what it does is it raises faith that, oh my, God has my address, God knows where I am, and, and that we would have some words of knowledge, and then we would invite people to come forward, because the, the principle is what God reveals, he is going to heal. Well, right before I came up to do this, I had a picture in, in, in my mind of someone that was in deep darkness. And they were so buried in this darkness that they had developed two lives where they had a life of, that everybody else saw, but they were very, very dark and had become suicidal, but nobody Nobody knew about it. And what I saw, and this all happened very quickly, just boom. I saw Jesus come in in brilliant white, and he simply declared, your isolation is over. And so I, I just gave that word on that Friday night, and Sunday morning, a man from our church came, and he told me what happened to him. And I said, bro, would you mind writing that out as a, a testimony that I could read on Sunday? He said, absolutely. So here, here's, here's what he wrote to me. Good morning, Tom. I wanted to share with you what happened to me during the Friday night session of fasting and prayer, which was freedom and healing. First, I want to tell you that I really know how much God loves me. 
I feel so undeserving of his love at times. I'm not sure why he continues to do things to both show me his unconditional love and that he is always there even when I am not. Friday night was one of those times. Honestly, I have been in a very, very dark place over the past few months. I've been very depressed to the point of having numerous suicidal thoughts. I have self-isolated and rarely communicated with any of my friends. I have also not been the husband that I could be. I stopped attending church and really was distancing myself from both God and the world. I found myself being totally bound by fear and isolation. During the week of prayer and, fa- of, of prayer and fasting, we did have the sessions streaming online at home. This was not for me, but for my wife. It was on, but I found myself being angry and not engaged in watching. At the end of the service on Friday, I found myself coming out into the living room and sitting down in the recliner. I know now that God brought me out there. It was his timing. It was the part of the service where you were praying over words of knowledge. When you said that the Lord showed you someone that had gone to a very dark place, that they were in deep isolation, their thoughts have been very dark, including suicidal thoughts. You said you saw the Lord come in in a brilliant light and say your isolation is over. I immediately knew that God was speaking to me and felt his overwhelming presence in me. I had a warm feeling throughout my entire body. I immediately felt that I was free and not bound by depression or fear. I have not felt isolated or bound by fear since. I was able to come to church on Sunday and knew that God had brought me back. It was such a pleasure to be in his presence. God is such an amazing God. He always loves us even when we struggle to love ourselves. Thank you, God. Would you mind standing to your feet? If you're at home, I'm going to encourage you to do the same, to stand to your feet right now. For those of you who think the service is almost over, this is is halftime, but I, 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 I I need to do this to be obedient to God. Revelation 19.10 says this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And all that means is this. Is that when somebody gives a testimony of what Jesus has done, it serves as a prophecy that he can do it again for you. That the very power that set that person free is in the testimony to do it again for you. So this, this is really important right now. If while I read that testimony, you said to yourself, that's me. That, that's me. That's exactly what I need Jesus to do for me. He is here right now, whether you're live or you're online. He's here right now. What, what, could all of us close our eyes right now And if this is you and you know it's you, you need him to walk in and simply end your isolation. I want you to just open your arms right now before the Lord. Just open the, your arms before the Lord. We're gonna, we're, he's, he's coming right now. Everybody's got their eyes closed. But I, I know, except for me, and I know there's lots of people in this place right now. This is, this is, your, this is your time right now. Jesus, you are so good. 
you've come right into our darkness. Right into our depression, right into our anger, right into our loneliness. And you come with your, your, your glorious light and eyes burning with fire. The fire of love for us and anger against our enemies. And you declare it over us. Your isolation is over. I declare it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let your anointing now come and break the yoke of heaviness. Break the yoke, uh, the cloud of depression. Break that yoke that has tried to lie to us and separate us. Be broken in Jesus' name. I release the anointing of heaven, the anointing of Jesus to set you free. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. So that was point one. Here's point two. We are a school that teaches people how to get free. And then secondly, a school that teaches people how to stay free. I was with a young man this week. um, And he, he just was confused. He had experienced such tremendous freedom in the past and assumed that would be the rest of his life. And he said, now I'm struggling with stuff that I, I, I was free from. I'm, not, I'm certainly not re-completely in him, but why, why is it still a struggle? How do you stay free was the real question. Look at our text today. If you hold to my truth, if you hold to my word, Then you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, the anointing of God, the power of God, can do a lot up front. But the anointing of God will not keep you free. You have to actually embrace truth yourself. And what happens is if you don't embrace truth, especially if you go to a charismatic church, is you, you just keep coming back to get free again because I'm free and then I go home and I get bound. And then I come back, I need church again, I get free and then I'm bound, free, bound. And, and Jesus loves us and he'll do that as many times as you want to, but there, there is a better way. God, God wants you um, to, to grow in truth. So let's go back to Theoden. So Theoden gets delivered from this darkness. And Aragorn says to him, perhaps the king would feel better if his sword was in his hand. And so he takes, he puts the sword in Theoden's hand, a sword that hasn't been there for a long time. And Theoden gets this in his hand. And, he, and, and it's just, it's, it's very clear to him the whole thing of what's happened. And in his anger, not just at Wormtongue, but his anger at himself for allowing Wormtongue to lie to him. He has a resolve. And he takes his sword and he looks at Wormtongue and he goes after him. He has a resolve to banish Wormtongue from the kingdom. The Bible says that in our spiritual armor, Ephesians 6, 17, says that we have this sword it's called the sword of the spirit, and then it says, which is the word of God. 
This is, this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the truth of God is contained in, in, in this book. A stronghold, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says we're not, we're not fighting a natural war. We're fighting, fighting a spiritual war with spiritual weapons. And then it defines a stronghold. A stronghold, guys, is not a demon. A stronghold is an argument. It's thoughts that are setting itself up. It's a system of thinking that protects darkness's influence in our life. As long as the stronghold is there, uh, darkness is going to be able to traffic in that line of thinking. So w- when, when Jesus comes by his anointing and sets you free, the demon leaves, but the thoughts are still there. So you, you have to change thinking. You have to, the, you have to recognize these thoughts need to be changed. I've been believing lies. And now I'm free to start taking the truth of God's word and start applying it in this area. And here's what it says. It says that we're demolishing strongholds. We're destroying them. And we're taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. So I want you to see this picture that God has given you authority to take your own thoughts captive. You are not a victim of your thoughts. You are not a victim of how, this is how we've always thought. You are not a victim. Get beyond that. You can do war on your thoughts. You can take authority. You could take out the sword of the spirit. A lot of times strongholds are built up over a lot of time, sometimes generations. Oh yeah, my mom is a worrier. Yeah, and my grandma's a worrier. And so I'm a worrier because it's in our, it's our, okay, let's, why don't we stop it with you? Why don't you be the one with the sword to say, I'm not, we're not going to distrust God all the time. We're not going to live in worry anymore. I'm going to conquer this thing and then my kids don't have to inherit it. Well, yeah, yeah, pornography's been in the family and, and my dad's struggling. Okay, okay, I get that. I get that those channels are made in your mind and your mind goes right there and part of it's you and part of it, it came to you. All right, why not end it? Why not get the sword out and start taking thoughts captive and, and, and allow anger Anger at lies I've believed. Anger at the devil who got me to believe him. Anger that leads to a resolve to banish those lies. I am not going to live under those lies anymore. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This is, this is a process. Staying free. Galatians 5.1 says it this way. It is for freedom that Christ, Christ once again is anointed one. The anointing in Jesus has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So Jesus did something for us we could not do for ourselves through his anointing. He broke the yoke that we were under. And now we have something to do. Now, you, you, you that got free, now stand firm in that freedom. Or you're going to be enslaved again. You're going to, you, even though you are free now, you can be enslaved again. That, the enemy doesn't quit because you, when you become a Christian, sometimes he kicks it into a higher gear. 
The anointing sets us free, but now we need to stand firm in that freedom. And so I want to give you three things that we must teach to keep people free. Number one, identity. This was all of last week, identity. You will never stay free if you don't get your identity right. You are a favored, beloved son or daughter purely by the grace of God, not by your performance, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. Christianity starts with you being accepted and loved in your mess. In whatever mess you're in, whatever mess you've made, it starts out by Jesus accepting you and adopting you as a favored son or daughter. Why is this so critical? If you don't get your identity right, and you go right to the other things, you're going to end up becoming a Pharisee. You're going to end up under performance-based Christianity where you appear and you do stuff and, you, you're, and the answer is always to try harder, try harder, try harder, and you're, you're going to be frustrated by your Christianity. You cannot do this apart from this identity, but it's really hard to grasp. Let me help you grasp it. It's about the emotions of God. God is not waiting to enjoy you. He's not waiting to delight in you when you get free from your sin, when you become a mature Christian. God delights in you right now. We are, Song of Songs says, we are dark but lovely. We are God's treasure. We are God's delight. That's right now. That's fairly easy to understand in your mind. It's very, very difficult to get in your heart when you're in the middle of a mess. How could God delight in me when I'm still struggling with porn, when I'm still struggling with anger, when I'm still struggling with this and that? How could, how, uh, certainly I need to get better before God delights in me. It, it, It works just the opposite way. When you discover that God delights in you and that you are his delight and his joy, that's how you overcome these different things. That's why, why, why Paul says, I'm praying for you that you rooted and grounded in love. This thing started by his love and you accept it. I'm praying that you have a revelation that you will know by experience the, the height, length, width, and depth of the love of God for you. Then you will be filled with all the fullness of God. This, this secret of God's love and delight in us, it empowers us to be filled to the overflowing with the Spirit so that we can overcome. So anybody that's a parent understands what I'm, what I'm trying to say. You got a baby, and this baby is, ca- has, is causing trouble all the time. Poops all the time. It, it, it has to be fed. It keeps you up all night. And you're like, wow, what a disaster. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. No, that's my delight. This is the greatest delight we ever had. You're not waiting for that baby. Once it's potty trained, I'll delight in him. Once it, once it's, or, or once it talks. Once, it, once it's got a job and is out of the house, then I will delight. No, that's ridiculous. God's not waiting for you to get better before he delights in you. He delights in you now. 
The Bible says in, in Isaiah 62, 4 and 5, that our name is Hephzibah, which means his delight is in me. It's part of your identity. So look in the mirror and say, I'm the delight of God. Say, Pastor Tom, that would be, that would seem so presumptuous and so uncomfortable because I know who I am. Okay, then just keep doing it until you are comfortable saying it because it's true. It's the truth of God. Get it into your heart. I am God's delight. God is for me, not against me. So we teach this about identity. We teach it again and again and again and again. And you know why. It's really hard to grab this. It's in our songs. It's everywhere. This is absolutely key to you staying free. You've got to grab a hold of this identity, guys. Secondly, so three things we teach. One is identity. Second is obedience. Look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them, not so they'll be educated, which is the American way, the Greek way, is we, we teach so we can say we're educated. No, no. Teaching is not complete until there's obedience. Why is that? Well, look at this. He who holds to my word or keeps my word or obeys my word, if you do that, then you are truly my disciple. If you're, if you're becoming obedient, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So God's goal for you is not to know the truth, but to become the truth. This is crazy, but have you ever thought about this? The truth itself is a person. Remember what Jesus said, I am the truth. So the truth isn't a doctrine. A truth isn't a rule. A truth is a person. It's Jesus. So truth has to become incarnate. And, and through obedience, okay, so we, we struggle. Uh, Jesus said this, I'm doing this, and so we're struggling to be uh, disciples of Father. God, I want this in my life, and, and so we're struggling. How many know that to struggle in the Christian life is normal? But you want to know what else is normal? Victory. Here's how the victory looks. You, you're, God's exposed this area, and you want to obey, but you're not obeying, and so you're, but you want to be a disciple, so you're, you're following after, and you find out you can't do it. Perfect. Christian life can't be lived by you. It's not about our commitment. It's about our yielding to the life of God in us. Only Jesus can live the Christian life. So what happens is our commitment brings us to this place of surrender where God, only you can do this. And he's like, that's what I've been waiting for all along. I've been waiting for the white flag. Now you and I are going to do this together. And, and you're going to know this truth and this truth, you're going to start, it's going to, the, the, uh, your obedience is going to be on the outside you're going to, and, and you're going to try to follow. And, but I'm going to, as you seek to obey my word, I'm going to internalize it and it's going to become part of you and pretty soon it will just be your natural way, will be obedience in that area. 
You shall know the truth. That's a process. And the truth shall set you free. Your whole life, you're going to be getting freer and freer and freer. It is a process. It's not an event. You don't get all free all at once. You, you walk with Jesus, and one area at a time, he frees you. But it is all linked to obedience. Now, why we obey? And what God calls obedience is very different than what you think it is. Look at, look at John 14, 21. This is very interesting to me. Jesus says this, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and will show myself to them. What God calls obedience is that which is done out of our love for him. So to say, I'm going to obey God because I'm afraid I'm going to be punished if I don't. That's fear-based obedience. That, that's not this verse. <laughs> or to say, I'm going to obey God so he'll bless me. I want God's reward. So I'm going to obey so that God has to bless me. Uh, that's not in this either. This is purely out of love. I love God and I'm going to obey him because I Love him. I'm not doing it out of fear of punishment. I'm not doing it out of a promise of a reward. I am just loving God, so I am obeying. Well, there is a reward. I'm going to get more intimacy. I'm gonna, I'm, he's going to reveal more of himself to me. That's what I'm going to get as a reward. You say, Pastor Tom, but I thought, I thought that we did obey to get blessed. And No, that's Old Testament. Sorry. Now, it's very deceiving in the New Testament because it feels that way. It feels like, why when I obey, does my life go well and blessings just kind of come and favor just kind of comes? Here, here's why. Because you're a favored son and daughter and God, that is God's plan for you. But if you disobey and you're a bad girl and you're a bad boy and you're doing the wrong thing, um, the favor doesn't go away. It just looks different. Now you're under the favor of God's discipline. And tr trust me, discipline's not a sign of rejection. Hebrews 12 says, when you are disciplined, it's actually a sign of your acceptance. It's a sign of how much God likes you. <laughs> but you can make your life a lot easier. I love all my children the same. But if you're going to be naughty all the time, you're going to be on timeouts. And I'm sorry that you've got to be on timeouts all the time. because I'd really like you to be enjoying everything else. But this is your choice. So you're over in the corner all the time. I don't, I don't know how you feel, but I don't want to be in the corner all the time. I, I want to be living. I, I, want, I, want, I want to walk in this. So out of my love for Jesus, I want to be quick to obey. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to be punished. Not because I'm trying to get, earn a blessing. But I just love him. And so I want to obey him. In, in, in his written word, whatever. God, if there's something I can obey, I want to obey it. I want that word in me. I want to become this is what Romans 8.29 says he's doing. He's conforming us to the image of Christ. He's making us beautiful. So the people don't just hear the truth. They see it. They see our lives and they're like, I don't really agree with what they're saying, but how can you disagree with the beauty of their love? The beauty of their kindness? The beauty of their purity? It convicts me how they live. Holiness, guys, 
is not something you accomplish. It's something that's already in you by the, by the new birth. And we just work it out as we yield to him, as we learn how to walk with him in intimacy. That's obedience. And then thirdly, and this is how we're ending, staying free, community. Our, our last, or our third value at City Church is to connect with people. So, a year ago, okay, last November, a year before that, Alice and I went to Malaysia. Some of the missionaries we support are Sam and Jennifer Duram. Well, they happen to also be dear friends, personal friends of Alice and I. And so this was our opportunity to go see them on behalf of the church, do a bunch of ministry, but we were so excited just about the friendship. Well, on the way there, it's... The flights are just so long. And there's two very long flights. And so they've got free movies that you can watch. And so I, I watched this movie on the life of Tolkien. And Tolkien was an orphan. And he was adopted by a Catholic priest. And this priest was in charge now of his education. So he put him in this this special school and he found some friends in this school that were artists. They, they, had, they had a little small group of artists and these four high school friends made a commitment to each other. They would bring their art to each other and they would read poetry to each other. They'd read stories to each other and it was, a, it was an artist group but they made a, a commitment together that they would Change the whole world through art. Not through war, but through art. Well, then the World War came and a couple of them died in the war. One guy kind of went insane in the war and Tolkien is the guy that's left. And uh, he, he's married, they have a couple of kids and he's teaching at Oxford and he's miserable and his wife says, you know, Honey, why don't you do what you love doing the most, which is telling stories? And so he turns to his sons and he says, Sons, how would you like to hear a very long story? And they're like, What would it be about, Papa? And he said, oh, it's going to be about adventure and it's going to be about dragons and it's going to be about courage and it's going to be about heroes. And then he stops. And there's this long pause and then he says this. It's going to be about fellowship. There's this great darkness, this growing darkness over Middle Earth. And the wizards can't reverse it. Some of the wizards have actually gone to the dark side. The elves can't reverse it. The the dwarves can't reverse it. Nor can the hobbits. But all of them together, if they all come together in fellowship, they can overcome the darkness. And the ancient prophecies, Gandalf says, say, that the deliverance is going to come through 
Ahavid. So let me tell you a little about hobbits. Hobbits, uh, once again, are Tolkien's image, his shadow, his metaphor for us. Hobbits have no special abilities of their own. They are very, very normal, and they are very weak. They're, they're halflings. And honestly, what they really want is to be left alone. What they want is to just have a safe, comfortable life that has no adventures in it, where they eat breakfast, and then they eat second breakfast, and then they eat third breakfast, and then they start getting ready for lunch. And they just want to be left alone, and they don't want to be disturbed. But it's these that Gandalf, who knows the ancient prophecies, calls into this adventure of which, apart from them, they cannot overcome the darkness of Middle-earth. Pastor Tom, what on earth does that have to do with us? Everything. This is what Jesus said. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guys, this is the only thing on the planet that darkness will not prevail against. This is the only thing Jesus is building, and it's the only thing that hell will not prevail against. The idea that you're going to stay free, but be apart from community, it's not going to happen. You, well, I just, you know, I'm, it's just me and Jesus. I don't really like the church. Okay, you're not going to stay free. You're going to get in, enslaved again. It doesn't work that way. Your life doesn't work. Why? Because you're part of a body. You're a body part. You don't, your life doesn't make sense unless you're connected to the rest of the body. We are only going to overcome this thing together. But there's a problem, of course, with the church. People are in it. Very broken people that, that really just want their own safety, their own comfort, their own first breakfast, second breakfast, third breakfast, and want to be left alone. I just want to do my own life. I don't want to have to be connected to other people. Um, sorry, this is the plan. The plan was I'm going to take regular, normal, broken people, and I'm going to call them on an adventure together. And this is what I am building on this planet. So I watched this movie on the way there. I'm very struck by the movie. But it's not until I'm on the way back from Malaysia that I realize what happened. <laughs> this mission trip was unlike any other mission trip. It was just, we were with the Durams, our friends enjoying their fellowship. And they were taking us wherever they wanted to take us. And so with Jennifer brought us to her prayer group and, and we did our thing on them. And then she took us to the citywide revival group and we, and we ministered to them. And then Sam invited all of his pastor friends over to their house. And so we had a ministry with all of the pastors. And then he would bring them one by one. And this one needs this and this one needs this. And, and all through this, we're just, we're just enjoying fellowship with one another. And then Sam had a church that needed us. And then on, on another Sunday, it was a different church and somewhere in English and somewhere in other languages and needed interpreters. And, and, but it was the whole thing was ministry from 
fellowship. It was about the friendship. And then I'm their friend. Alice and I are their friends. And then they've got all these other friends. And then they bring us to those friends. And then ministry just happens in this context of fellowship. So here's what happened last night at our prayer meeting. Every, every Saturday night, we have a small group that prays for an hour for Sunday service. I saw something that I had never seen before. In Luke 15, we have the story of the prodigal son and the father going out to welcome lost people home. What a great image that the father comes and he runs to us when, when we turn towards him. He runs to us and he goes out and he meets us where we are and adopts us as his sons and daughters. But here's what I saw last night. He doesn't just go out to lost people. He also goes out to his son and his daughter that's outside the party. This is the older brother. This is from Luke 15, 28 to 32. And he goes out to him and, and he says, you are my son, I love you and everything I have is yours. Come in to the party. There's a party going on called grace. Come in. And the older brother says this, now, now. He is out there in judgment both of the father and of this son that came back that's a hypocrite. I'll tell you right now, he's a hypocrite. He, he says one thing, he does say, and no, I'm not coming. He won't call him his brother. He says, it's your son. Your son has done this. Your son has done that. No, I'm not coming in. And the father says to him, listen, your brother was lost and now he's found. He's not just my son. He's also your brother. And so what happens to human beings is we get all judgy of the church. We get judgy because the church hurt me and the church has, and then older brothers out there telling all the things that haven't been done for him. And you've never done this. You've never done that. You've never done that. This is, this is the language of isolation. Church doesn't love me. Church doesn't take care of me. Church is this. Church is that. Pastor's this. Pastor's that. Uh, forgive us, please. But let me tell you something. The Father is out there. And he's saying, I love you. Everything I have is yours. You're going to heaven when you die. But you're not enjoying anything now until you come into this party. I need you to let go of your judgment over your brothers and sisters. And I need you to come back into the party. Every parent knows this. A parent's joy can never be full until their children are loving each other. When the children are fighting with each other, when they're not talking to each other, when they won't come home because there's been a break, it doesn't matter how many of the kids are home, the, 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 the father's heart is never full until everybody's together, loving each other, forgiving each other cheering for each other. So you want to bring joy to your father? Come home. 
Leave judgment to him. Forgive your, the brother. I, I, I don't question that you've been hurt in church. I don't question that you've been hurt by pastors. Please forgive us. Please. For the Father's joy, forgive us. And let's come together. And let's connect with one another. Because we're not going to win apart. We're only going to win together. So we have all these small group signups. We call them connect groups. They're all the way across the, the thing. And in January, for about four weeks, we sign up. You can sign up here. You can sign up on, online. We have these magazines that tell about the groups. And you can pray over this and, and, and all of that. And you say, Pastor Tom, I've done the small group thing. I don't like them. You know what my response is? Yeah, I get it. These are not going to be amazing groups. You know why? There's people in them. Sorry. People that are broken, people that are just like you. But let me tell you something about these groups. You making the effort to connect when you don't really want to, oh, it means something to the Father. It's like, wow, I see you're trying to connect. You're trying to please me. Did you know that out of these awkward groups come many lifelong friendships? You find your Jonathan. David's find their Jonathan. Naomi finds her Ruth in these small groups. And it didn't even happen in the group. It happened in coffee afterwards. But you just making an effort to connect. The Holy Spirit used that. And he is the only one that can knit us together and make us one. But we have to be on a mission. Guys, I'm on a mission. I get together with my MP3 pastors. This is area-wide pastor group. And, and I never miss one. I never miss one. I'm on the leadership. I never miss one. And, and I, I'm very honest with them. I mean, they're great guys. I don't mind them. But these meetings are not great meetings. Here's why I'm devoted to them. Because here's what I'm interested in. In God's response to our little effort at being unified. At some point, God just says, you know what? They're trying. I'm just going to pour out more of my spirit. I'm just going to pour more glory out. They are pleasing me. They are pleasing me. I want to express it. They are they get, they're putting their hurts. He knows all of your hurts. So when you make a new effort, it's just like, yes, that's my son. That's my daughter. I knew, I knew they were going to rise up. And it's just like, I'm just going to pour out more of my spirit. I'm going to pour out more of my blessing. And as God pours himself on his church that is trying to be the church, trying to connect with one another, pretty soon the church is going to get so filled with the presence of God, it's just going to overflow into this region. And there's going to be a genuine awakening of the spirit of God. And darkness is going to be broken in moments that the enemy spent decades trying to build. All right, could we stand together? One last prayer. The worship team is not coming. The, the, the altar call is sign up for a group. You, you can do it live or you can do it online, but I really want you to pray about being connected. But I have to pray first. So would you mind just closing your eyes one, one last time? Lord, there are so many bad experiences with small groups where I tried and then I was still lonely. I, 
I made an effort. I thought it would be this and it was that. And Lord, it, 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 and it takes an, a sacrifice to get there or to start with. We don't really have time for it. It means we have to get a sitter. It means we have to... And Lord, I pray for your precious, precious people that we would get back up and try again. That we would forgive churches and pastors and small group leaders and people that we haven't even been, called, been able to call sister and brother anymore. They're God's son and daughter, but they're, they're not mine. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just, we would just say, yeah, forgive me, God, that's, that's done. Forgive, forgive me. That's my sister. She's a mess, but she's my sister. And that's my brother, even though he's not this or not that. And, and God, thank you that I'm also their brother, even though I'm kind of a mess. And I'm their sister. Thank you that you're making a family, Father. And Father, more than anything else the rest of my life, I want to bring you joy. Not what brings me short-term happiness, but what brings you long-term joy. And so God, I want to devote myself, not just to you, but to the body of Christ. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, in 2021, that I would live freer than I have ever lived before. I would, I would live more in this identity of delighted in son and daughter. I would live more in this purposing to obey even when I'm not obeying that I would wrestle with it until I am obeying. Until obedience is so in me that I don't even have to try anymore. It's just part of my life. I just, boom, that area is already, I'm just obedient because I just love you and God, you get all the glory because I tried and I couldn't do it. And then Lord, this thing about fellowship. Lord, it's hard for us to imagine this, but you are as deeply committed to everyone else as you are to me. I'm not the only one that's your delight. This guy next to me is also your delight. Whatever he or she may look like to the world or even to the church, they are an absolute delight to you. Help us to delight in you and to delight in one another. Or at least make a beginning toward that in 2021. Help us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name.